Good morning, New Eden! Today is May 8th, 2022, and this is the Federation Frontline Report. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and today we will be reviewing Faction Warfare updates that were talked about at FanFest just a couple days ago, and uh, we'll be doing that with Astarathi. How's it going? Greetings, my fellow Empyreans. I am Astarathi, and... Uh... I did not realize that CCP was planning on fitting polarized weapons to their fan fest. <laughs> oh, that uh... yeah, I'm I I'm ecstatic about what was talked about at FanFest. Um, it Reddit is uh, of a different color um, than me right now. Um, well, maybe if you Reddit is being Reddit, vision. yes, that's that's correct. <laughs> They 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 went nuts, man. Um, but I loved everything that they they had to say, and I see a lot of what they're doing and a lot of their vision, and I re I really like it. Um, how did you feel about FanFest? Well, uh, I sure did have a few criticisms, uh, in particular about the way that things were presented, mm -hmm. um, things I would have done differently, because I feel like. They had plenty of good stuff to talk about, but they didn't do a good job of selling it correctly, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, but overall, I mean, like, I, I couldn't be happier with the with the content. Like, that's the thing. I even said this on day two. It's like, as a person who's covering FanFest, I'm frustrated. Because I really wanted CCP to come out with something that would just shut everybody up, right? Mm -hmm. Would just like And say it in a way that would shut everybody up. Right, prove us wrong, prove everybody wrong, you know, here's the content you guys been wanting, you know, whatever. That would have been great. A at least something to make it so that, like, they, we, we could end this constant angst. Um, but, as, a, as an individual person, and as a Faction Warfare pl a player, and as the guy who gets to explain the lore to everybody, it was the fucking golden ticket, right? Like, yes, <laughs> it was pretty incredible. And for a faction warfare podcast, I feel like I was, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super ecstatic to hear that there was like some of the big stuff that they're talking about is faction warfare. That's going to be a big part of the living universe moving forward. And when I heard about that, I was like, oh, thank God! Like, finally, more something. There is a little bit of story there, you know, they've done things in Faction Warfare, a lot of it in the Amar arena um, and Mimitar arena, but um, say, the one thing when they said the living team, or the living universe team is going to be dedicating themselves to Faction Warfare for the next few years is something that um, I am just, I was blown away. I was like, yes, this is this is how they're going to actually deliver new content this is how they're going to get new uh things into the game because warfare should push the envelope of technology you're needing to constantly innovate in order to beat your enemy why aren't there new ships that are coming out and new ways of taking space and new concepts of how to invade a planet and stuff like that like uh you know this is where a lot of content could come out of faction warfare and i'm I would love to see them use... Now, the one thing, though, how do you feel about the Allegiance system? I love it. It is exactly what I would have wanted. Like, it, I, it's... So, basically, the way it works is 
that right now, if you want to gain standings with the corporation, you have to go and either do things for that corporation or kill that corporation's enemies and therefore get derived standings because you go down with them and you go up with, that, with the other side, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you want to gain standings with the Triglavians, you have to go to Pochfin and kill Eden or, or uh, Edencom systems and kill Edencom, Rogue Drones, and Drifters. There's no other way. Uh, if you want to gain standings with Boundless Creation, you're going to go do run missions for Boundless Creation, and that's specifically, right? Working in the Faction Warfare doesn't help you with Boundless Creation. With the, with the Allegiance system, first of all, it may be easier to make, get Faction standings for the first time ever. Yeah. But more importantly, by having it that I declare Allegiance, now everything I do that is enacting the will or moving our agenda forward for my faction that I'm Allegiant to is going to be worth credit, right? So now I don't know what it is that's going to be. Now, when I'm mining, I'm mining for the Federation. When I'm crafting things, I'm, I'm building ships for the Federation. I'm doing missions for the Federation. I'm taking plexes for the Federation. All these things are for the Federation. And it all I get, I get credit for it, and the Federation gets credit for it for every action I do. The thing I like to think about is, like, um, if you remember the Liberation Day games, mm -hmm. when all the different tribes, there were different tasks that you could do. And then when you accumulated points, it didn't just accumulate points for you, it accumulated points for your chosen tribe, mm -hmm. right? So you were not only like able to advance your own progress, but you were able to advance the Starkmanir or the Thucker or whatever. So in the same way, like the empires now can want different things at different times, and then we go about it, and then we get credit for it with them because of this, rather than just the static, go do missions, go do whatever. Which brings me to kind of uh, what, I, what I was talking about right, right before this, right before we went live. But like, what really we're seeing here is not like a faction warfare rever re rework, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we, we, we can't think of it that way. Like, somebody's like, oh, well, as long as they let you tax LP, I'm like, that is thinking so small ball right now, right? Like, right. this is opening like, it up to F this is becoming a part of Eva, not a niche thing that if you're into PvP and you don't want right know, like it's, it's super right now faction warfare is unbelievably niche like it's the most niche thing that yes. they kind of have in the game right now well i mean i don't know about that but like either way it is an activity right it's an activity you go do it for uh glory but more importantly to just push button receive bacon and plexus right right well so we're moving more towards the idea that the empires uh have a will of their own they have objectives, they have desires, they have agendas, they have resources. And because of that, they're going to want to do things to each other and to the world. And faction warfare is the, is the method by which the, the empires enact their will upon the universe. Right? So that, and that's us. So whatever that means, that's what it's going to become. You know, when the Kaldari want to specifically build structures in Blackrise... They're, you know, taking those systems and holding them will be important to the Kaldari. What happens when the Amar invades Stain? You get what I'm saying? Like, you just break yourself completely free of the idea of, like, plexing and systems and system control and tiers. And it's like, is the Galente moving forward with their agenda in the universe? You know? 
Right, yeah, exactly. It, it becomes a, a paramount amount of gameplay for everybody that anybody can get involved in. Um, with just being connected to or having good enough standings and then making that choice and saying that I am going to make my allegiance to the Galente and now I'm fighting for the Galente. Um, my one concern about this, though, is what is what's the point of a faction warfare court? Uh, well, uh, I imagine that... So, a corporation is defined by kind of what it's supposed to do. Like, what's the difference between a high-sec corp, right? What's the difference between a mining corp? So what it, they're doing, and what you, sort of resources they have available. So, and with this heraldry system, right, we can now brand Aderon Robotics as the, the Glente Faction Warfare Group, and, like, all of our efforts and focus goes into that. But... Hopefully, now, Aderon can be actually moved into the Convocation of Empyreans, because we no longer have to be two different entities. Well, yeah, and so that's kind of the thing is, is that um, if you're, if it's much more about players declaring their allegiance, and it's, uh, I guess you're, to a certain degree you're saying it kind of levels the playing field a little bit back to, because... Faction Warfare Corp is a very specific niche thing that you have to be part of a Faction Warfare Corp, whether it's the NPC or a player-made corporation. Um, it needs to be designated Faction Warfare for you to have to be part of this game. Um, and now, the it just goes back to you, what's what's important about your corp is not whether you're in Faction Warfare or not at all. That that doesn't necessarily come into a factor. What comes into a factor is whether you have good logistics, you have good gameplay, you know, good ideas, people working together, um, you know, do you have all the, the tools for that other corporations are giving and how do you give those tools and how do, what did you build your culture around? Um, right. So another example, so or like to think about it a different way, Pi is a member of the Amar Faction Warfare regardless of whether or not they're spinning plexes or even in the militia, right? EM, Electus Matari, is part of the Mimitar, uh, you know, faction war because they're the, they are the military might of, of the Mimitar uh, as capsuleers, regardless of whether or not they happen to currently be engaged in the actual mechanics of faction warfare. We're, we're decoupling that, right? Like, mm -hmm. a, uh, you can declare your allegiance to the Glente, and it's now just—it's not just completely constricting to a binary of like, okay, well now I now I go to low sec and I run plexes and I do this thing, right? It's going to be right. more it's, fluid. It's and it should open up faction warfare or the concept of it. Um, like you were saying, it's not no longer just this one little chunk of space anymore either. It could open up to everything. Um, it it can be. Right. So you're not going to have a Galente faction warfare corp. You're going to have a Galente loyalist corp. Right. So the, the hmm yeah I I find that'll be that's going to be very interesting. I wonder if there are going to be some kind of perks though for being a Galente uh, or or a faction warfare corporation itself. Do you get to like tax LP that normally you wouldn't, or are you able to declare allegiance as a corporation or as an alliance? Um, you know, is it just going to be allegiances oh. for individuals? Well, I said earlier that like taxing LP is thinking too small. I will say that um, CCB Rotati, in his like living universe discussion, I think it was, he like makes this offhanded comment that was so huge. Like I rewind it and I listen to it. Like it was 
he buried the lead in the first half of a sentence. He's like, if you can if you can tax LP, then you can just tax Airbus points. I'm like, whoa, 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 go back to that. You can tax LP. Come on, let's let's talk more about that idea, right? <laughs> so like, I think that the idea of like a corporation that has a focus is still going to be rewarding, you know? Mm-hmm. No, and that's and that's something that uh, I hope to see more of. I'm really really down for the allegiance system though and i think the the one thing that kind of scares me is that it's like man now i kind of feel like i want to go back to one of the bigger alliances and corporations um that have these crazy cool communities and get back into them more um while being uh just declaring allegiance to galente because i'm always gonna just live in in losec but uh I don't know. Right. I've I've stepped a- away from bigger corporations and stuff like that in order just to be, because you have to be so focused on faction warfare if you're doing faction warfare. It feels like. And there's a gut reaction that's like, oh my god, but what about all the faction warfare corps or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But what I hear by what you I just described, what you just described is that you're not getting to do what you want right now, right? If you were given and, the opportunity, you would do it a different way. And yeah, and that's kind of that's the thing the you is do it. That, um, to, I mean, yeah, to a certain degree, for sure. It's 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 stif- if you get into faction warfare, you're kind of you're locking yourself down in a lot of different regards than what you normally would see coming into you. Which is why it's also it's I, it's hard pressed. As much as I uh, before the allegiance system concept, I would be. It's like yeah, we want to get newbies into faction warfare, but then you're also like you're driving them into some very small niche way of doing PvP that's very different than the rest of the universe. Um, and doesn't really, you know, and gets and kind of shackles them down, I feel like, to a certain degree. Um, whereas if you're going to be doing um, the Allegiance system, you can funnel players right into it. Like, that's going to be one of the first... I mean, obviously, they're going to be like, here you go, sign up for one of the allegiances if you want it's not going to hurt you in the sense of you can't join a corporation or you you can't join an alliance um because you are part of this faction warfare type thing that you want that you've been doing and you wanted to do right and most people will probably have an allegiance even if they don't like go to low second run plexes or whatever Right. You're still going to want to declare an allegiance so that way the shit that you do gets rewarded by the empire that you're allegiant to. Yeah, but I wonder how much uh, restrictions are they going to put on you for declaring allegiance? Are you locked out of Keldari space just because you've declared allegiance to the Galente? Uh, it doesn't seem so, but it does seem like you might be able to get your standing tanked or whatever, but uh, they did say like things reset if you try to switch because they don't they want to discourage people from just swapping war zones over and over again. That was another thing, too, was the abuse of the ability to jump around. Um, so the ability to not do that, uh, you know, by resetting it, that's a that's a pretty important aspect of not allowing people to be very extremely abuseful. Which the current system already, you know, as, as long as you're willing to shackle in a character into faction warfare, you you can jump all over the place because there's ways of doing stuff without really tanking your standings on any right. side and you yeah, can be totally. close to everybody and, and then you 
whoever has tier 5 or tier 4 or tier 3 or whatever the highest is out there in the, the land today will always jump onto that boat. Yeah, and speaking of, like, ability, man, like, Aurora's ability to just say all of the right words was just so impressive. Like, on topic after topic, her articulation of what was wrong was probably the the best I've ever best articulation of a problem that I've ever heard from a, from a CCP. Like, at the very least, I walked away from that thinking that like she fully understands like every single aspects of it that that, that I would be interested in her understanding. You know what I mean? Like, she was able to properly communicate like what was not just what was happening, but what was wrong with it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of the other things that were kind of brought up here, um, because we've talked about this on our show before, um, is the idea of front lines. Yeah. I really loved that they brought this kind of thing in, and um, I was watching the, um, I didn't get to watch all of it, and I need to go back, and I'm sure this will be something we'll be, can probably be talking about for multiple episodes moving forward, um, so as I dig more in and we get more information revealed, we'll definitely have lots to talk about here, but um, this is one of the things at the round table that they were talking about is this is how they want to to help smash as much of the problem when it comes to the roaches that are out there um stealing yeah. that word from uh Astarate here because i love it um and the people who are just out here to flex to you know no matter how they're doing their plexing whether it's just sitting afk um or you know possibly using other methods that are illegal in order to get their lp stored for them there's a lot of it in faction warfare and if you funnel everybody into five or six or seven systems i think that's going to be a lot better uh, yeah roach is totally a better <laughs> i was like as soon as live in the shadows and feed off of the off of what uh, the work of other people absolutely yeah no i've always i've always referred to them as that because here it goes back to a notion that i actually tweeted about the other day which is that like ultimately the problem isn't bots the problem is that the activities are so basic that a human being becomes indistinguishable from a bot yes that yep. is a problem that's you know? huge yeah, and I have that a lot where I'm like, I don't know if this guy's a bot, but man. <laughs> right. And like, so if, 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 if players are encouraged to behave in a way that is indistinguishable from a basic bot, then chances are something needs to change, right? Like, I mean, that's the real sign of a problem, mm -hmm. not the bots themselves. So yeah, cockroaches existed before, before the Plex botters even were, uh, were a big thing. Um, however, like, yeah, the, the idea of the front line, the idea that the back lines provide no benefit, like, to, uh, the person who's doing it. The wallet it, itself, it, and it's that it's going to be a longer trek to, to even fight right. that system. It has an intense advantage tactically, obviously, right? Like, if every, if every system that's adjacent to an enemy system is a front line, then if you can go and gain a system that's, like, five jumps in, suddenly that entire area becomes front lines. Everything it's adjacent to becomes front lines. You know, like, let's say if we are holding, like, the entire south and, and the front line is somewhere around, like, Nenemelia and, you know, um, 
uh, Tama and you know, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we've held the South, they've held the North. So we have this nice area all around, you know, Fleet, Devon, Integral, all that stuff is like super safe right now, right? Because it's way away from the front line. So we're like, this is cool. And then they flip Hades. Well, now Aboon is a front line. Now Fleet is a front line. Now Intaki or uh, Integral is a front line. Now Old Man Star is a front line. But that won't happen by accident, right? It won't happen because some people were min-maxing the profit. It'll happen because the Kaldari are, who are fighting this war and are getting frustrated at the front line has decided that the best thing that they can do is strike right there and cause chaos. That's a tactical decision. That's like more than anything else has me excited. Uh, the thing, so, you know, in the military, they talk about like flashbacks and stuff. And then so, obviously a lot of those are bad, but you know, like every once in a while, like certain pieces of my old training, like kick back in. And when she started to describe the whole frontline system, I suddenly like it just clicked in my head. The fact that like, so you have your rear guard, right? And then you have an operation that we want to do, you know? So we want to do uh, an operation in Fallujah. Well, most of our forces are in Baghdad. So that's our back line. We have that very secure. We need to have, uh, we need to be able to project into Fallujah. So we're going to go to Tikrit or I'm uh, just, uh, sorry, uh, Al-Kut. Um, and establish ourselves there so that way that can be our command and control center to then strike into Fallujah. So now we've moved up our command and control and and that is adjacent to the front line but not on the front line, obviously. So then you have your front line, you have your command and control behind that and then you've got your supply lines behind that. And that's like literally how wars are fought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's actually how it works. This is, yeah, no, this is a beautiful way of, of creating a much more um, engaging war. Right now, it's it's a lot of just... Uh, there are flashpoints, you know, Fliet, um, you know, any of the Kaldari um, major systems. Um, you know, a lot of systems are, you know, are you have to you have to actually assault in order to get. But then there's just this random, like barroom brawls that are happening across the the Black Rise area and all the other faction warfare areas that just they're just weird like inner inner counters with each other and mostly people just trying to make money and really just a bunch of mining you know around uh, that's you know mining of flexes that are happening and just trying to find the safest little area and this just forces all of us to have a, an area that you, you know this is where the fighting is this is where people are trying to to exist and it's a it varies and changes it's something that i'm really looking forward to being like every week i'll be able to be like okay these are the frontline systems these are the you know percentages because i can do that to a small degree here um that we have right now but it's so it's not it doesn't follow as much of of that kind of um Right. Easily understood and easily digested, and and um... quick adventure in and out twenty minutes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and this is one of the things that I remember talking about. Like, so back when we did the last major roundtable uh, for faction warfare, I think it was like Yintan put it on. I think it was. Anywho, um, we we were talking about it, and like 
two big ideas emerged, right? One was the idea of front lines, right? You can only take a system that is adjacent to a system you already own or whatever. Uh, and then mine was campaigns. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea, because I come from the days, from the golden days of, of faction warfare, where you would have proper sieges, right? Like four to five days of just nonstop 30-man fleets just slamming Punishers into it. You know, we have attrition fits because we bought every single small railgun in the fucking market, right? Like, <laughs> in Jita. You just can't get them anymore. You know, we, we have... You know, we, we're, we're designing new strategies because with that many people on field, it, like, nothing matters anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and the... That, in those scenarios, that's where you really get this situations where, like, station lockout becomes a really critical thing, which is why uh, structures were so disruptive to faction warfare back in the day. Mm -hmm. But this idea of campaigns, like, you know, for those of us who had, who had seen the days of the sieges, like, that's it. That's peak faction warfare. But, like, you have to make them whole cloth. And you could, but I, the, the other piece of it was... I was taken aback, and I was actually kind of surprised by how many people at that presentation were uh, not... They wanted to be told what to do by the empires. And it it made sense to me once I thought about it, because like in a universe that is a sandbox, you can do anything. You can go join a null block and go like... Try, you can go try to solo it. You can make your own wormhole, whatever you want to do to establish who you are. This is the class of people who have voluntarily said, I want to work for the empires. Those, they have self-selected themselves as our peers. That's, that's what it should be for, right? In fact, the thing that really struck me was they're asking for less rewards. They wanted less, they, they wanted no more things that actually could be sold for ISK. And they actually wanted to reduce the things because the people in faction warfare don't need that much money for what they're doing. But with it being so lucrative, it made it so that all these abusive tactics were brought in and all these outsiders were, you know, come in. That it may, matters about how much ISK you can make rather than who's in control, which is what they really wanted, right? So they wanted less ISK, more uniforms and titles and medals and stuff, right? So, like, I think that the idea that like and look at Edencom and the Triglavians, right? The problem with Edencom wasn't content. I mean like they actually technically had content and you know when they when things were going they were having a good old time. It was that they got left high and dry. They never got any commands. They never got any more direction. The Triglavian even the, the clades have like felt a lot really listless. The biggest complaint is like, hey, we're here to do what they ask. We're here to 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 be part of this bigger thing let us be part of it right and i think back that and forth here a talk you know like a right we we did this you say whether that was shit or good or when what do we do now you like you know keep on moving this you know creating an actual living universe that you know it's not just missions that you can go out and just you know okay the newbie goes out and gets to participate in all the stuff that everybody else did as long as he as he levels up you'll go like there's events that you will never you'll never be able to take part of in even that's one of the beautiful things i think that is really unique right. to kind of even how this really is 
like the Tregalavians taking away stations, World War B, uh, you know, whether it's NPCs or PCs doing stuff, there needs to be events that are happening in the world that if you don't take part of it, then you'll never be part of it. That you right. had to there say. There are things that are dead. happening. There are things that happened. They don't happen again. They happened. The pr the Empress was coronated. That happened. <laughs> you know, yep. it's, it's it's not gonna. Ha well, I mean, it won't happen again to this particular Empress. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that that's the whole point, right? Like, the, one of the biggest things that bothers me, actually, the the argument that bothers me the most that I've been seeing around town, is this idea that this somehow makes it less of a sandbox. I I've been seeing that too, and that's something so, that's like, what? Wait, what? Okay, so <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about this, okay? So a theme park versus a sandbox. A theme park is when an MMO has uh, pre-built stories for you to go on, you know, dungeons or quests and, and all that kind of stuff. Anytime that the game itself is about the content that the developers have made and you experiencing it online, then it is a theme park. You go on your rides and you collect your prizes, right? Yep. <clears throat> a, a sandbox MMO is an MMO in which the players are empowered to affect the universe and each other in it, right? So uh, the the ability to put up permanent things that other people can interact with, the ability to uh, destroy other people's stuff, the the essence of like non-consensual PvP is absolutely essential to the idea of a sandbox mm -hmm. because it's about freedom, right? Yep. One of the things is is that like these two ideas are not mutually exclusive. And I think mm -hmm. that they are often presented that way. And secondly, pure sandbox MMOs are awful and do awful. Like yeah, across the board. You, if it's pure sandbox or you you don't if if you didn't allow for the company to build some sandcastles first, you know, at the very least and maybe reinforce those <laughs> so that they don't get busted down by players as soon as they come in. You're you're just right. basically telling you're just let it, you're opening up a huge world into saying people go and do whatever the hell you want. So like what happened in Eve Online is not unusual. In almost every MMO that is near to sandbox, that has territory or has things that people will want to go do or you know have, then there it emerges a massively powerful player organization that makes sure that nobody else besides them can do anything. Right. There's a, there's always a winner. Right. Because and it makes sense. Right. Because there's always a snowball effect. The people who can control the resource have the resource, which gives them advantage. So then they become more and more and more dominant. This happens all the time. Um, so but the other part of it is that like sandboxes also have this concept of like you can do whatever you want. And I really, really appreciate Josh Strife Hayes' uh, call out on this idea because that doesn't exist. There are no games where you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. There are nothing. There's no games anywhere. The way that you can always do what the developer has made it so that you can do explicitly, right? right. You can't just You're do whatever you want. You're always working within a framework. 
Like Exactly. Like if the developer didn't predict that you would want to do it, you can't. So it's not totally free. So the problem is is that when we tell somebody that they can do what we want, whatever they want, in a world that that isn't actually true, because there's all kinds of constrictions based on what the developer has and hasn't built, then we're just not answering the person. We're just not giving them any direction at all, right? So if you have a catalyst, if you say, well, uh, it'd be a good idea to go, you know, well, the, the, as it turns out, the dragon's attacking, and, you know, we need heroes to go help save the maidens and in a theme park you basically hit okay and you go and do that and that's basically you know it in a sandbox that same event can happen as long as you can then go nah i'm gonna go uh, over here and do some right right like that's the difference so having things happen in a universe outside of us isn't making it not a sandbox it's just making the sandbox interesting. Right, it's right? making it alive. I mean, the idea of the living universe. Like, because if it, right. there's not enough players in order to... I mean, maybe if we had the 8 billion people on Earth all playing EVE, it might be a little oh. bit less. But even then, you'd still want to have events that the developers are building. Like, I, Yeah, I mean, I, that doesn't make any difference to me. Because, like, so, you know what stories need? Catalysts. Hmm. Right. Yep. If 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 you give somebody an idea of what they should do, could do, they have the choice to accept or reject it. But if you do not present it the, the idea to them, they don't have the choice to accept it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. In this case, the deathless can call for us to help against sorrow. We can choose to help him. We can choose to stay with sorrow. We can choose to ignore the whole freaking thing, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that right now we talk about how this is a sandbox and we live in it and it's like a living sci-fi universe and, you know, whatever. But ultimately it's very static and very dead, you know? It doesn't matter how many missions you do this day, the, the, the same exact corporations will be in exactly the same places. The rocks will be roughly where they are. Nothing, you know... No matter how much, how hard the Kaldari win in faction warfare, or the Glente win, it doesn't actually change how the how the empires actually go on any given day. Right, or the inability in the to actually it like nothing actually NPCs, reacts to what you're doing. Right, there's no history. Yeah. If 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 you're just walking down the street and it doesn't matter, you know what you do to the NPCs. Like the next day when you wake up, they're all just gonna do and act the same way anyways. Like you, right. your ability to actually influence the uh, but the sandbox that is that is a problem uh, but but as soon as those NPCs want something now how I interact with it will affect things will create a story will create you know a build build your legend you know as they used to say for Eve online right mm -hmm. like like sure the player run uh, stuff, the exclusively player run stuff whole cloth is very cool you know the fact that a lot of people are willing to go to war for the matani super whatever you know cool but there's also people that 
want to band together to work for the Galente. And though that is a valid interaction with the universe, you know? The universe exists outside of us. We want to be immersed in the universe. I don't want a game that's just fucking numbers. I don't I don't want to be able to look on Dotland to find out exactly what kind of things go in, go in a specific place, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I want to have to go look at the news to find out what, what, what's going on in a specific place. Uh, yes. I, I want to yeah. feel like the universe would exist without me because only then does my existence in that universe carry meaning. Right, yeah, because eventually you're not going to be playing this game one way or another, you know, like... No, 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 what I mean by that is if you could take me out of the equation and things would play out, then introducing me into the equation can induce change and have effect. yes, okay, yep, I see what you're saying. The situation would have to be able to play out. Like, whenever I play D&D, like, when I DM and I make my own campaigns, what I do is I think about how it would play out if the adventurers didn't show up. Right, what, yes. What did, yep. the play, what did the enemies expect things to do? And then as the players intera- interact with that story, they divert it in big and small ways off of that path. And the enemies react accordingly based on their rea- resources. Um, so that's what I mean by that. So Absolutely, if the universe... Yep. If you took out all of the players and it still played a game of Stellaris with NPCs against each other, then when you reintroduce all those players, everything we do influences that shit in like a butterfly effect. Yeah, it changes but right now everything. It's, who cares? It's who very cares? You're just ratting. No, and that is a really good point. If you took all the players out of Eve, is there a story that is that is playing out and it feels more and more like there is? Um, right. And, and, and the more and that this we isn't can... a zero. In, introduce elements where we can affect that uh, story just by existing, and more, more of how much more passion we have to try and fix and, and be part of that story. Um, I think, and this seems to be some avenues that they're making for us to be able to do that. Right, and this isn't a zero-sum game, guys. Right, like a good PVE doesn't somehow make PvP worse. Right, like. This is this is weird notion that if like CCP can't like if, if Eve Online had a really good PVE universe that was like interactable and like a living like actually had like like not just make it now we're not talking about patching it now but like just imagine Eve Online was a game with a living sci-fi universe side of things too where all the players can do everything that they can do right now but there also was like tons of cool ways of interacting with the empires and and pirates and stuff like that wouldn't make the game worse right. If, they, if there was a big population of the game that only played it for PvE, that wouldn't make the game worse. It wouldn't make your game worse. In fact, having good quality PvE is what attracts people and keeps them in long enough for them to gain a sense of mastery enough, to gain comfort enough to take on the step and to become invested, right? So a good PvE makes a good PvP. Not, the, not, not a, a bad PvE makes it so that people don't actually even make it to that point right yeah yeah and that's and it also you know that that's that's one of the big things is like that's this is not taking away from the sandbox this is adding to the sandbox 
They're not they're not right. limiting exactly. anybody in their ability to do all the shit that is out in 0.0. And to the people that are all like, well, you know, well, I guess they just don't care about the stories that are happening. And no, those are great too. The stories that are happening in 0.0 that are all 100% player made and stuff. CCP is going to be just as happy to talk about and do those things. The, that I don't understand how, like, like an event, for example, like the Triglavian event. If anybody believes that that took away from the sandbox, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, all it the, did was add to the sandbox. Now you might be disagreement of what they added to the sandbox, but there was a bunch of people in 0.0 and myself included here in Losec that really didn't fuck around or care about that shit until like all of a sudden I was like shit there's a lot more jumps to, to Amar now <laughs> and, and there's, <laughs> there's uh, what happened to my back door into Nenemelia that was uh, in, in, into the Keldari space from Akadagi <laughs> and I was like well, yeah, well, like, and all the of a sudden everything like... changed I didn't get to participate in that shit and pisses me off that I fucked up and didn't do that shit well, there are things changing all the time that influence your game. It's just whether or not you notice them. You yep. Know? But, uh, so there was a phrase, there was a term that I coined a while back uh, when I was first thinking about this whole problem, uh, which I just called the playground, right? Like, a playground has things to do. It has a swing set and a saw, you know, a seesaw and a merry-go-round and all this cool stuff. And it also has a big sandbox to play in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that the playground has swings doesn't make the sandbox any less cool. But right. it does and, make and the park better. I don't know if you've been to parks like this. Sometimes the sandbox is the playground area. Like, mo a huge amount of the playground area is just sand that you can go and do sand building stuff if you want to. It's like a beach, you know? Like... Um, right. But in, in my opinion, in my opinion, we haven't actually even really been playing with like the sand is out of the sandbox already, in my opinion. Like in the early days, the empires that players built were actually built on NPC stuff. They wanted to engage with the lore and for like, it, it, you know, they they wanted their stories to be tied in with the the stories of the universe. You know, this idea that like players are the only thing important divorced completely from the stories of the universe is a relatively new phenomenon and like in my opinion that's what makes it dead you know having all of these different characters and having all these different things in the universe that i can affect and change by interacting with it that sounds like sand right mm -hmm. like plopping down a pre-made thing because you bought it and you brought it in or you built it or whatever that's not building a sandcastle that's bringing in your toys into a box and mm -hmm. like laying them out and smashing them into your friends. Yeah, having that's very good. Being, ha sculpting the universe through your interactions—that's living in a sandbox. And I feel like this is a lot closer to that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I mean, uh, Vash just does point out that uh, uh, the abyssal stuff is still you know controversial to a lot of people and stuff that some of the stuff that they have added that does feel i do feel like abyssal is a weird one with the like jumping out of of the sandbox to a small degree like there's no way to fuck with these people um because they're in an well, I mean, other using catch them when they're on the way out but yeah it is and actually i have to deal with that which is actually kind yeah. of one of those things like i'm a pirate 
I if I want to do Abyssal, I have to do it in low sec with my pirate character. Um, and I am way more danger in danger of getting blown the living shit out of if I want to try doing. And I penalize for the choices that I've made in my game <laughs> in order well, to. Well, I'm just gonna head this off right now. Uh, I will say that uh, they really desperately and like a month ago need to implement that you can no longer run the abyss in systems that you can't anchor anything in. That's just not okay. You can't. That that breaks it. Interesting. Without that. Without that, we're fine. Because so there was there was this balance that happened, because you know ba basically when when uh, Abyss first came out, it was de determined that like somebody could just jump back into the Abyss before somebody could actually kill them, and so that you couldn't actually kill uh, kill somebody if you wanted to if they were prepared mm -hmm. to just you know jump into the Abyss for the rest of the day. Um, but then it was discovered that you could go up to the trace and anchor an MTU or a mobile depot or something like that right next to the yes, trace. Yes, okay. And it forced them to not be able to jump back down. Play and counterplay. Yep. So then they bring cloaked orcas and you bring bigger ganker. That is play and counterplay. As soon as you're able to do the abyss somewhere where things can't be anchored, you've completely removed that and undermined the, the thing. Like the abyss actually is very careful in how how it, like it plays with the sandbox in many ways. You have to, uh, you know, you're you're exposed on your way out. Um, in a similar way, you know, there's a lot of uh, like um, sites that you're pretty much only exposed on your way in. You know, so um, but everything about the abyss, or sorry. The, uh, over half of the value of everything in the abyss is um, completely player dependent. In other words, part of the market in sandbox, mm -hmm. and the other half of it is uh, uh, does require interaction with the sandbox because it's not a direct payout; it's red loot, right? right. Yep. So, so by that same logic, I could say that like having ratting without. Uh, you know, having re direct bounty payouts is against the sandbox because I can't interrupt your ability to get the money. <laughs> you know, like That's, you yeah. can kill my ship and take my money. Interesting. That's yeah. No, that's a good point. Very good point. And and a lot of those people are also completely being dismissive of of the fact that like the abyss is a challenge, right? And like, it is. It is a huge challenge. And uh, and I get my ass handed. The, the problem is is a matter of focus, right? Anytime that you can allow players to interact with you, you're basically telling the person who's doing the activity that you must also keep track of D-Scan, right? And so that severely limits how much attention they demand by removing, by basically, because, so they're not protecting you because you could always have your trace, you know, probe down in the same way. You say combat probes. Well, that, how do you get the normal things? Oh, you can't warp to the anom. So it's a combat signature. Cool. Yeah, you know, like you just have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. So you see, so but you know they're going to be here in fifteen minutes, or they're dead anyways. So. Yeah. Well, or the trace disappears, and you're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but my point is, is that like, uh, so to the person inside, like the threat of interaction from other people is just the same as in you know anything else but now they actually don't actually get d scan because you can't see outside of your abyss trace 
Um, oh, that's so yeah, you're even more popping out into the unknown. That's a good point. Right, um, but, yeah, no, that, those but are really good there's points. a promise. There's a promise. During this 20 minutes, I'm going to test you. Uh, or I'm going to protect you. You're, you don't have to worry about D-scan. Just close it. It's fine. You, can, you don't have to worry about local. Close it. It's fine. For this 20 minutes, you're mine. That's what the abyss says. <laughs> That's, yeah. No, I, I, it's a great way of, of thinking about it. And kind of, uh, I've, I would have to say that I've slightly attuned my my way of thinking with the abyss much more just just in this little conversation about it has really improved the way that i've looked at at the abyss for sure um but uh and it is similar uh vash kind of points out that it's uh you know kind of similar to wormholes where being able to close yourself off by but then there's counterplay and play that all is involved with the idea of being able to close off your wormhole um Right, but that doesn't stop somebody from already being inside. Exactly. And it's also pointed out that a lot of the sites that do lock out, somebody could already have their own. But I, I'm sure that there are at least some sites that, like, it, it's difficult, if not impossible, for that to be true. Yeah. But my point is, is that, when, it, like, for instance, the um, the new SEC sites with a lockout, right? Mm -hmm. um, once you've got the Marauders in there, the thing is, is that, like, it's even safer than the abyss because the abyss comes out in a single known point. When when I'm leaving a site, I get to decide where I warp to. Yeah, and sometimes that's to basically perfect safety depending on where it's at. Yeah, well, you can't ensure like a single person can't make sure that they grab me. They can't. They, you can't be at all the gates. Right. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think that this kind of uh, leads in kind of naturally, though, to talking about the idea of like objectives and stuff that they're they're going yeah. to be putting out into faction warfare. Um, and that's uh, so one of the things that they'd said was like uh, their uh, the idea of like an objective will be take this system or at least push the front line to that system was one of the examples that they gave. And I really like that kind of like um, if they can put out special objectives special things for us to like target and why the empire wants to hold these things or why the um galente want um Intaki to be under their control if they lose it um these can add to the story and just really build on to a lot of the stuff that um and just add to the sandbox to get us to do stuff inside of the sandbox um that we're not doing right now to be honest yeah, um, and the good news is that CCP has been experimenting with this uh, for a few years now. Um, you know, the, the world news um, has been, or the New Eden news, I guess now, uh, has been focused on faction warfare quite a bit, and more importantly, establishing key places of interest, right? Like, mm -hmm. we have Intaki, Yugalis, the Pergular constellation, and all that sort of stuff. And then there's other areas too that are, that are talked about uh, at various times, and then of course you know on the Amar side it's way more clear. You've got like Fortress Aset and you've got Flosis Win and you've got you know what I mean like yep. that's where the, that's where the hot is. And so every time those systems flip, it means something to everybody, right? Yes. Like yep. there's a headline about it, and it's and it and it makes lasting impact because every you know again the NPCs have an agenda, but if you it, it, when we lost Sentaki. The Celis Agard's agenda was pretty much thwarted. Like they had to bring in neutral parties in order to negotiate it because we no longer could prove that we could secure it. Like that actually happened. Yep. So like these things are happening, 
but they're not visible enough because they're not built into the game because the game doesn't have the systems to reflect it yet. Right. But if they were to have kind of those the systems, key thing, yeah, that's that's the key is being able to see that it's going on. Be the a new player jumping in can be like, oh, hey, Intaki is a really important system. <laughs> What if when you jump into Intaki, you got like a little thing that pops up, like comlink, you know, request, and like when you click on it, it like opens up, and you know the the one of the people from the Intaki um, assembly is like, you know, help, blah 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 is happening, like informs you of what's going on in the system and why it's important as you're going around. You yeah, know? that would be that would be next what? level stuff. Like that's, what if you? What if when you jump into a set, uh, you get a miss? You get a communique from you know Marilith or whatever, whoever it is, Sorum, uh, that's like you know you are in sovereign imperial territory, you know state your business or or get out or whatever you know like <laughs> you could you can draw people into the fact you can cue clue people into the fact that there's something interesting going on uh, in a in a diegetic way. Yep. Yeah. No, that would that would be awesome. I'm I'm that, really hygienic, by the way means in in context, right? Like mm. for instance, you know, um, in a play, you've got lights above the the play that like lights the whole stage, but then, you know, maybe you have like an actual lamp that's on. Well, the light off of the lamp is diegetic light, whereas the light from like the offset stuff is is just normal set light. Nice. Or like uh, uh you know, um in like a TV show, when they're listening to like when a song's playing, and then it like shifts over, and it's clear that there's like a radio that's playing that song. That's that's diegetic. Mm -hmm. So what what are you? If you had to guess, what do you think? How long do you think it'll be before we'll see some of these changes coming? Um, I got the impression, the feeling that it would be at the end of 2022, personally. That it would yeah, be, along with an expansion that'll be correct. Coming out. The, the Q4 expansion, I, I assume that... So, I don't know how big the arcs are, first of all. Mm -hmm. you know So, it could very well be that we're rounding about the end of the current arc, in the climax of the formation of this new pirate faction, and the release of the new pirate faction, or like the, the beginning of the development of the new fa fa uh, pirate faction um, ship line, right? And then they shift over to the next arc that then would like wind up in the Q4 expansion. But either way, um, you know, I don't know if they're, they're going to touch on Faction Warfare before then, but it seems pretty clear that the no later than the Q4 expansion for, for a lot of it. That being said, you know, they were very clear, and I know for a fact that it's true, that there's st it's still very early days for this stuff. Um, so, well, thankfully they have like a lot of the tools already built. So once everybody figures out what it is that we want to do, it shouldn't take very long to actually like do it. So I wouldn't suggest it would take years. Um, you know, it's also not going to come out in the next couple of months. So, yeah. yep. And so I imagine anybody that was hoping that it was going to be at the next ex or the next update, what in a few days from now, isn't it? Yeah, that was me. Um, I was really hoping um, as well. well I mean, it makes sense to me. But like, I I get happening. it. I get it, and and the thing is, yeah, it, somebody on Reddit actually got it right, although the conclusions off of it were kind of weird. But like, in the end, what CCP Paradox said, or uh, 
Paragon said was uh, they're going to announce the largest content, right? Like we, I had the assumption that like they would have it to be ready. And I, and I really do push on uh, CCB Dragon on this during our interview uh, that I just put on YouTube because it was really frustrating to me, right? Like, wait, why, why don't you have anything to show for it? What have you been doing? And um, ultimately, like, it boils down to, and they're standing pretty firm with the fact that it's just that much foundations had to be made, right? Like, n- new content wasn't built because they had to get their house in order first. But now, the house is in order. And so rather than saying, like, this is what we have for you, it's like, all right, guys, roll up the, uh, the garage door. We're open for business again. Let's start talking about what we're going to build. You know, when we're like, what have they already built? And we were, we were also like confused. Like, why are they talking to us about it? Well, they weren't talking to us about it because they weren't ready to start talking to us about it. And now that they are, like the, the floodgates have been opened. They're, they're able to talk about things. They're able to uh, share information about stuff and we're able to build that future. But now we have to build it, right? Mm-hmm. So rather than this being the big release, it's more like the grand reopening of the shop, right? So, yeah. and that's good. That's fine. That, that, I'm okay with this. Yeah, and I'm kind of hoping for... If I can get Snake Hat, all else is forgiven. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, graphical kind of stuff, they did announce a lot of graphic cool stuff um, that I'm not going to get really into the specifics of it, but I have to say, like, the new holographic stuff for the ships looks really cool. Um, Just mind-blowing. Like, if you could... (laughs) <laughs> I if and I if killing somebody is huge like that's uh, it, like getting a kill mark is such this like minor aesthetic thing you can't see right now and they're tr- right. planning on making it look like this like hey if you're killing people you're gonna have all this shit around you that's like yeah I murdered all day long well it forms shit. around your ship too so like as soon as it dies you'll see exactly who it was that got the kill because they'll they'll get the cool effect yeah um. But you know, you know, one of the things I thought about with this—I uh, I haven't really talked about this anywhere else—but um, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, this is why they can't rely on skins 100% anymore. Because why the hell would you care about your skin when you can ch- customize your holograms around it? Like this, I, it, Snake Hat makes it so that I don't need to worry about how fancy, you know, my—I just need the Vexer to be green at that point, you know." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, well. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was the idea of like a different module will make your ship look different. So if you put yeah, the idea of like these armor plates on, you'll get like more armor plating on the like that'll start appearing visually on your ship. I thought that was like wow. Okay, we're starting to move into extensions, right? Extension system. Yeah, it's nothing terribly new though, right? Like it's just a continuation of something. It used to be that they were continually trying to do this kind of stuff, right? I mean, we have, you know, we can see individual turrets, right? Yeah, we can see individual launchers. Those actually got renovated. It used to be that when you launched a missile, it was a single point, and now you can see every single missile. Yeah, you can now so see beautiful now. where the damage is on the shields. You can watch the nanites repair your armor, mm-hmm. right? Like they, they're constantly trying to make it so that like what's happening is reflected uh, visually. That being said, this looks like a particularly cool one. Like yeah. this really feels like it could be like 
the end all, right? Where where every ship looks just a little bit different and you can tell visually stuff about it more than just the guns. Or more importantly, imagine if you're in a fleet and there's like 30 vexers and you could at a glance see if somebody was in a different fit. Yeah. Yeah. Because every be other really person is identical, right? Identical, identical, identical vexers. And then one is like this one of these things is not like the other. Yep. Yeah. No, I think I, I actually think that's really cool. I'm really excited for a lot of the stuff. Like upwell structure skins, like finally, that's awesome. Oh my god, I just realized something. I'm gonna do inspections. Alright. Everybody <laughs> has undock. No, everybody has undock. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna fleet formation warp us in a in a square formation to a location and everybody has to sit in their position and we go down and <laughs> look at everybody while they're all dressed right uh, dress right dress uh join nader on robotics we have fun here <laughs> oh man that is awesome yeah no i i think that the like updating of all the graphics reflective surfaces um being like the hangar changes that they're making like if we can see other players no they didn't the say idea of like about walking in stations did they did, did i miss no. it um, no um so i had started to think that they were still working on something in engine but i was really confused by that because like it seemed like a parallel effort but it also seemed like the scope stuff was built separate. Mm -hmm. But then they accidentally made a boo-boo on the, one of the latest scope videos that they came out with. And then they straight up said it at FanFest fan that, yes, the animations are done in, in Unreal. So chances are, if we're getting out of our ship, if we're going to be walking around in the areas of New Eden, it will be in the shooter. Interesting. I wonder, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There was one thought process that I kind of had on this is like, what if like the shooter was just part of Eve? That justify right. some some things that would be interesting. That like, what if they're porting the entire client over to Unreal? But the problem with that was is that like, if they were doing that, then they wouldn't have put so much effort into porting it, you know, making it sixty four bit client and all that other stuff, right? Like, mm -hmm. you would have just been porting it over to Unreal. So. Well, I mean, you can uh, still have it be a separate server, separate code, everything. You just, you know, use your same character name. You just jump out of your ship, and all of a sudden you're using, well, I guess, the code in your game probably can't do that. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a totally different to engine. Jump, yeah, it'd be a different engine. Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I once upon a time thought along those lines, too, and then I realize then i started actually building something in a game engine i was like oh okay that's like asking for like a c plus plus program to suddenly become a java program yeah, could yeah. work i guess <laughs> um but, but yeah so that kind of sucks that that's gonna be i mean if it's the thing is is that like i i'll be maybe this is a hot take but i want to see the universe through lot through eyes that aren't the capsuleers right like even the dust soldiers like the immortals and like there's so much about this sci-fi universe that we barely get to scratch on there are trillions of people there are four different distinct and incredibly detailed uh empires dystopian empires you know one of the things that struck me was during the kaldari video 
like when the when they're all standing up and the the planes are flying overhead, I suddenly like was fit, like for the first time it like clicked for me, and I had a sense of dread. You know, it was like the this is the evil empire. These are the stormtroopers. You know what I mean? This is <laughs> like. You know, we, we joke around, or not joke around, but we talk about how, like, they're, they're an authoritarian meritocracy and they're xenophobic and all that stuff. But, like, I didn't see the fascist in Caldari until that moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Under all of the corporate bullshit and who's rich and who's not, there is a lot of very loyal, militaristically formed uh, people who think that they are both oppressed and important. So, <laughs> you know, that's kind of spooky. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I want to learn, I, I, you know, I said this uh, during the FanFest stuff, I think, or I've said this many times. It's like, I want to storm the fortresses of Skarkon. I want to walk the streets of Kali. I want the reign of Arcturio to beat off of my suit of armor. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, want more spaceship stuff i mean like i like spaceship stuff don't get me wrong i love the eve stuff but eve's got that cover i want a different perspective of the universe i want to have my understandings of the universe subverted you know eve RPG i want to see a lot of fun i think yeah like, i, I want to play the leaders LA... you're playing like the people that are just like you know yeah. around in this crazy universe that we have um we, me and my friends were talking about like why didn't eve do a 4x strategy game like it's already a 4x grand strategy game on like this massive well, they're, they're working on that level. that's the mobile app that they talked about oh ah, yeah mobile app though i want i, I want mean well PC. let's be frank though like especially if you're going to be doing a 4x strategy game it makes sense to develop as a mobile app at this point yeah everything's um, going that way it's just my phone is only going to hold so much crap and that's i only do so much with so, my phone at this point like it's uh like to spike <laughs> Well, you get a tablet. Spike X Phil uh, points out that, like, you know, military, well-trained military versus corrupt slavers. Uh, yeah, but there's already plenty of depictions about, like, how spooky the Amar are, you know? <laughs> um, now, all we need to do is have, like, a real depiction of the hedonistic nature of the Galente, right? Because, oh, yeah. like, the Galente have only ever shown kind of the face that they want to show, the strength and the democracy and all that stuff. But, like, we need to like they should have like had uh uh empress or not empress but uh uh agard like giving her speech and then like switched back to diegetics to like uh, ha hearing her saying it like over a loudspeaker like pan out and, like it's a bulletin board in and then it like pans down and like there's like a rave center and like people just like there's like call girls it's like cyberpunk 2077 and all that shit like show off the fact that like they're putting forward this like really pristine awesome like front face but then the 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 actual reality of it is this weird hedonistic uh almost uh brave new world type control mm. yeah that yeah. that needs to happen mimitar can all be proud the mimitar trailer was fucking amazing yeah they can eventually we'll have to deal with the fact that the mimitar can't even support their own people, but that's what the Angel <laughs> Cartel is for. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, so, 
there's so we talked a little bit about the the arc system so this is going to be like the new way that they're sending up expansions now they're not going to do um what was it quadrants that they were doing before and they're right they're and this is like arcs are the way that they get to an expansion but they're going back to expansions is that is is that my am i interpreting that sure properly? yeah yeah uh, the, the missing piece here, though, is that, like, so the lore has always been part of features that are coming out, right? Like, that's always been the case. Yes, yep. But, we get usually, like, let's look at the compression example, right? We got an explanation as to why the compression changes happened. The Angel Cartel stole the compression technology from Ore Laboratories, and then they, you know, it got out, right? Yep. Cool. Yep. That, that happened. We can explain it. But prior to that, we have dev blogs discussing how it was all going to go down and all that stuff. We didn't find out that we were getting compression through the event. The event came second. What they're saying is, is that now the, the first clues, the, the first announcement of new things coming will be in-universe, right? Right. Just like this pirate line. They've said nothing about this pirate faction line. But there's some pretty strong hints that we might be getting it. You know, they've said nothing about replacing Aura. But there's some pretty strong hints that we're going to get it. But And we'll see where it goes as we go. But that, but in, and here's the thing. In my opinion, there's two ways of looking. You can look at it like a gamer. And this is a game. In which case that sucks because I want to know what's happening in my game and CCP works for me because I pay them money and how dare you not like answer to your player base blah 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 or you can think I want an immersive universe and what's more immersive than feeling that all of the things that are happening even the new features that are coming out are emerging naturally out of the universe itself that it's not like something is happening because ccp decides it does and then like the universe figures out how to make it fit but rather the universe like the new technologies are really being invented right the 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 and more importantly we're able to control it you know what happens the very first time that players literally prevent a feature from being released this goes right. back to the question of would what would have happened to Pochvin if players had reinforced had fortified every single system, and I seriously, sincerely believe that CCP would have looked at that and been that's the most awesome thing that we could have ever not predicted, right? Yes, I think they yep. would have ran with it. You have to, like, with that much of a with that much of a like a force of will, you have to respect it. Like, I guess we're just gonna have to do something else with that plan, because. Uh, and they're going to try and predict what we're going to do, and they're going to try and slide things sure. to a certain degree into their favor to ensure... I mean, it's their thing that they're kind of setting up here, but there's... I think that there is room for that, and, it, and that's one of the things that's got me super excited about, like, how they were talking about how Faction Warfare was one of the avenues that they're going to be introducing new items and new stuff, and if, if you don't... Uh, if you want these items, you're going to have to do stuff in order to actually participate and push for the new technologies, get the minerals that are so, needed or so, whatever. So let's put this all together, okay? Yep. So don't think about necessarily what the conclusions are, because I'm just tying like lore stuff together too. So the Kaldari 
start a campaign to take Intaki as a front line. So for the next three weeks, they need the, Intaki, the system of Intaki and a few other systems to be held. There's special missions in order to escort uh, forces onto and off of Intaki Prime as the looting of Intaki, you know, returns in force, more or less, right? Um, and as that happens, if the Kaldari are successful, then new and different expert systems are released because now Lydai has managed to recover more uh, of the Intaki uh, technology off of the planet. But if you, if that doesn't happen, if the Kaldari fail to hold it, Lydai doesn't get the stuff. The Galente hold it. Now, the Galente don't have any plans for it themselves, so it's just like, oh, I guess those expert systems don't get released. Maybe, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll come to that technology later, okay, yep. but not now. That's the kind of things that I'm talking about. Yep. No, exactly. And that's and, and they even said that, you know, it's it sometimes like if they have a new module that they're trying to release and the players don't accomplish that goal, it's not necessarily that that module will never be released. But it might right. be five months down the road now for that module and that was something that we we had it ready for you guys. You just didn't want it. Like let's didn't let's, want let's it make enough. it more let's give a more realistic example or more like uh halfway real example. The compression system again, right? We had to turn in scientists. There were 50 scientists, right? Mm -hmm. What if, what if CCP had it triggered that as soon as 40 scientists were turned in, the compression technology was released? And then, but if after two months, no, they haven't gotten enough people, then it gets released anyways. Right, technology gets invented eventually, anyways. Right. But you know, maybe we can trigger it coming out now. Yeah, I, I like so, the idea of, of us being able to speed up technology with actions that we're doing inside of the game, and that there's a possibility down the road that there will actually be um, new technologies being pushed out through the faction warfare for reasons of faction warfare, and using it as a test bed for some ideas of like capturing space and stuff yeah it's important we need intaki why it's important why because it's important it's actually important like you know what i mean like for x reason um i i think that that can be a really cool idea um and and more importantly as a person that tells the story of eve online i've said this before like this is when i when i used to talk about campaigns i want to be able to say like well the players did this and then that made the NPCs react to do it this way. But then when the play, uh, you know, the, they put out this call, but then the players failed, which embarrassed this leader, which got them to be replaced. And then the new leader was far more militant and, you know, did this thing. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So now I literally can't tell the story of Eve without telling both the story of what the NPCs are doing and what the players are doing. That tells me that you're actually living in a living world yeah. as opposed to as opposed to a game with set dressing. Right, yeah. No, this is, you're, you're, you're never gonna get anything like a, this out of World of Warcraft, never. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think that that's the fundamental difference between the sandbox and the theme park and what I what I get upset when they think about it as being scripted, right? Because in, in World of Warcraft, like, Bolvar was always going to become the new Lich King. The, the only choice that you have is whether or not you witness the event. Right. 
it happens whether or not you're there. It happens whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. If nobody ever beat the Lich King, they still would have advanced the story, in theory. You know what I mean? Um, so, the, but in, in EVE, you can have entities that want to do things, and as long as our interaction with it influences it for greater or for less, then that's good. And the thing that boggles my mind is like, sure, yes, we're capsuleers, they're super cool, but like, I think you're taking the space god thing a little bit too seriously if you think that these massive empires in under the shadow of which we live wouldn't have the ability to push us around, wouldn't have the ability to change our lives through their own decisions, right? Like, the, the idea that the universe wouldn't push back at us? Like, what the hell are you even doing? Like, it's like the people that complain about gate camp, like the rats that are on gates. It's like, yeah, guess what? The Garissas want to protect their territory too, dude. Like, space is scary. Let's, <laughs> let's... Yeah, it's tough, man. Harden the fuck up, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, Just I completely stop agree. Stop surprising expect, expect it. Plan for it. Be ready for it. Have a, you know... What are you going to do about it? They're out there, man. They want to kill you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I see a lot of really good stuff coming out down the road here. I'm really interested to see what, uh, what they will be doing at the end of the year with uh, with this expansion. I'm really looking forward to seeing what arcs that they kind of put out for this, what little bits and pieces of, of the expansion kind of come out as or as we learn about them. Um, and so yeah, I'm gonna be uh, really having to dig into a lot of the lore here and stuff much more for this show and trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this arc that's gonna be yeah. happening. Um, I know right now there's a big thing going on with the um, the deadless, right? Deathless, yeah. yeah. So, deadless. yeah, let this be a call to arms. The the previous arc or the current arc has already started. It started at least three months ago. Um, we have several main characters now: uh, Ezra uh, Hogaitsu, I think, and then um, Zohar, uh, Peacock, which is the uh, uh, um, El Villari, I think the Galente, uh, the Galente Senate dude, and of course now the Deathless. Um, they've been very careful to establish these characters, and as I talked about earlier, they are you know this idea that CCP just kind of wings it, or there's no continuity to the lore. Like I said, I can now tell you, I can I, the Peacock, in one of the posts that says you know. Uh, uh, Sniffer says that the Peacock pulled off an operation on the FIO uh, that, that the Black Eagles don't even know about. And uh, they're... And uh, the thing is is that if you go back to that first reference of the Deathless, it's an FIO dossier that's being taken. So I can point to that and be like, I think that that's the operation that Peacock did. Mm, yep. So, like, the pieces fit together, and they stretch from, like, from here to 2016 to 2008, you know, depending on whether or not you're talking about the Blood Raiders and their, uh, and the bombings and stuff. Um, like, this stuff has some real continuity to it, which means there's a lot to sift through, guys. Like, the, the, 
who knows who will have like the piece of, or the hint of the information we're looking for uh reasons why the deathless would be having a bandana with red and black skulls or whether or not that is gone anywhere obviously he doesn't have it in the video uh the the icon in the back of him is the snake the ouroboros snake with its own tail with a dot in the middle of it which is technically like a corporation just a generic corporate logo but it might mean something to somewhere uh we might need to keep an eye out for it we need to uh st it would still be nice to know if we could figure out you know who sniffer is but that might be a different thing um you know tracing down any more uh connections between Intara direct action uh and some of these other groups uh and you know now that just like with the eom thing we now have to take this information and use it in context with some of the past information in order to try to sort out what's going on um but more importantly every gate to the system of Castlemon has had a giant fleet of diamond galente rats on it for the last two days and it's getting bigger and now they're finding them in d-scan range like in safes we have no idea what's happening that's not the only one but the only reports i've been having is galente the galente have been building up their own defenses because of everything that's been going on with this uh uh the the Intaki are in chaos at the moment mm -hmm. um, because the uh, El Valari is Intaki, I think it was. Plus, I mean, Intaki's already been delicately in the balance anyways with all of these peace talks, and this has basically shot that to hell. So the, the, the Galente appear to be preparing a, at least a defensive posture, but you can actually see them in space right now, and uh, I don't know if there's anything more out there. So there are things to find, there are puzzles to figure out, and the pieces are already out there. I've put in a bunch of stuff on my lore panel, or on my lore guide, and if anybody has any other thoughts, I'm open to ideas. And we'll get that uh, in the show notes for everybody for sure, too. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to a lot that it was said here with seeing, seeing what they're going to do more with this. Um, I, I feel like I'm one of the few people that came out of FanFest and being like, this is fucking awesome. I'm super excited to see what they're going to be doing next. I, I don't I, I don't know if the they didn't... I, even for me, I don't think they fulfilled the promise of like the, the biggest content update in the universe um, that you know it will justify the $20 a month timestamp that they put in there. But I think that that's... That wasn't required for me. What was required was for them to bring out a bunch of stuff that said that we're actually going to be fucking doing shit with our game and we want you to be part of that story. I would argue that if they actually deliver on what they presented, like in, in total, like in real, for realsies, then that will be the biggest, then, then it will be true that this fan fest they announced the largest content update that they've ever that they've had in a long time and that's the like, key actually is announce because they didn't yeah, say uh, that they were going to release the biggest content update that has ever right. been yep so i mean in essence and that that's not even like a technicality that's just you know us misinterpreting things also mm -hmm. you know like the dude jumped on on his day off without any warning it wasn't like it was an official presser by ccp or anything like that it was just you know one guy trying to give us some sort of answers and you know th that quote by the way is very out of context we were talking uh you know uh you know he he was saying a lot of different stuff on that topic you know talking about the causes of it you know uh 
how much of a factor Russia was, etc. And that was just like, and he had already said that it was going to be a big content update or whatever. And it was like the second time he was saying something that he says that he says that. So he's saying something with more confidence or whatever. But he's like, it was uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it might, I think it will be the largest content update that we've ever that we've announced in a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, like, I don't know, man. I I feel like there's a certain point where I feel bad for the dude because like he didn't even do anything wrong. He's just uh, being targeted and intentionally warped. It reminds me of like the CCP Rutati quote that everybody touts out, like uh, moon mining is not a god given right or whatever. Like. <laughs> Yeah, that is that's correct. True. <laughs> Statement. <laughs> like but yeah, I don't know, man. Part of the thing is is that I'm starting to get the feeling like um we're we're getting to that threshold where it's no longer like okay to tolerate the toxicity of that level of bitter vet. I'm not talking about like an experienced guy who's played a lot in the game and is kind of, you know, like jaded. I'm talking about the people that have quit playing and are actively being disruptive in every panel or every place that they can be because they're angry at CCP or whatever. Or no, that's that's a really good point is that you you don't you don't want to placate to your bitter vets. They're bitter vets and they're they're bitter and they're done and a lot of them are done with the game completely. Um, yeah, at this and, point, they're just trying to stop the enjoyment of people that are actually trying to enjoy it. Now, your like, vets who are vets who have been here and they've been through stuff, uh, you listen to them and they and, and a lot of them care about the game and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I, there, there is a big thing on Reddit, which is that there, a lot of those guys don't fucking play the game anymore. And that yeah. they're, they're going to no, jump on the bandwagon there's a and difference. upvote anything that says fuck CCP and downvote anything that says that CCP did a good job. There's a difference between being a bitter vet and uh, being, like, hostile, you know? Um, I had a better point than that, but I missed it. But yeah, so I I think that there's a lot that, um, a lot of, like, bullshit that's just kind of being thrown out around right now that's just kind of trying to incite the masses, trying to just get people to, like, bitch up a, a, a stream and the and it comes back to a lot of that stuff of like oh now this isn't a sandbox game because they're introducing ideas of arcs like of of creating a story which they've already had stories going on it's like it i don't know there's there's a lot of whining and crying out there and to a lot of the people that are like well fuck faction warfare i don't give a fuck about faction warfare the point is that it's completely changing now that it's yeah. not this niche fucking thing that has nothing to do with anything in the entire fucking universe except for to make money or find some fucking kills. We're on a whole new journey on, like, this... Anybody gets to be part of Faction Warfare. The Allegiant system opens up the whole concept that everybody is going to be involved in. It's not really even Faction Warfare anymore. It's. I feel like it's going to be... I feel like eventually they're going to change that name. They're just, just going to call it... Yeah, it's just, like, part <laughs> of the conflict whole fucking zone. game now. Um, and this- yeah, well, it's, it, I had a guy in my co- in my chat that just kept on saying like, well, you know, when we were talking about the faction warfare stuff, he's like, well, this is good, but it's, it's not, it shouldn't be the biggest thing in FanFest. And the thing is, is that like, actually this FanFest answered the question of, yeah, but what if it was? 
Right. You know? It's introducing the whole concept that this like, is this is really fucking important that it's going to be a huge change that's going to be coming to this thing that's right. going to involve so, everybody this is how they're going to release new content this is how they're going to play test new fucking ways of taking sovereignty like and which right. is a proper place to play test this shit like well so like um the way that they the way that uh the cynics or whatever would, would interpret it as is the biggest thing that CCP has to talk about is a small thing. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas people that are dialed in or say the potential of this is interpreting it as uh, faction warfare is being turned into a big thing. Yes. Yep. It's go- yeah, and, exactly. And that's the yes, that's huge right there. There are people out there who are just like, oh, whatever. I don't fucking care about faction warfare. And it's like, they're telling you why you should care about it now. We know that you didn't give a fuck about it before, but now you're gonna want to care about it. Um, what is this ad? It's and, and it's years out. Well, years. I would say that I I really hope no, that this is uh, going to come out in 2022. Like this will be at the fourth quarter kind of stuff that yeah. they're they're that that's what. That's the impression that they've given throughout this entire thing, but it also is going to be in work for said, years. Not just it was explicit. Yeah. So, so what I think that what we're looking at is like the front lines, that kind of stuff. The, those systems that make it happen are going to be um, uh, this this expansion. The four years, if you go back and actually watch again, everything has to be taken in context, right? And so if you look and listen to what she's saying at that time, she's, you can tell that she kind of shifts to like a technically kind of point of view. So I think that what she really meant by that was the idea that features are going to come through Faction Warfare, right? So the Living World team will still be working with Faction Warfare for the next couple of years because Faction Warfare is going to be a component of how all of these other things that they're doing are going to be spun up and out, right? Right. So that's how Living Universe is going to be working on Faction Warfare for years. But the mechanical change, the the update, the the shift over, will right. likely happen at the at the Winter Expansion. War is coming to the Empires. Yeah, I mean they only okay. So I would imagine the Allegiant system, the front lines, the objectives and agendas for factions is all going to be coming out this year. Um, and new sites, new opportunities, new, and all the other stuff that that entails. Yeah. They and um, the, and then before that, we're still going to have more about this, about the smuggler faction, faction, because you know what they're smuggling, right? No, what are they smuggling? Shit tons of weapons into the war zones. Oh yeah, there we go. That's good. That's what they've been doing. They've been <laughs> smuggling arms and ammunition and drugs into Black Rise, Placid, and Solitude. Interesting. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was nobody, th- nobody seems to be asking that. Like, <laughs> actually, no, one person, one person has asked me that. What are they smuggling? I was like, guns. Guns, ammunition, things yeah. in the war. That's great. No, that's... If you, go, if you go back, like, for months, probably over a year, there's been all of these different things about, like, this pirate, you know, pirates smuggling weapons into the war zone and all that stuff. And it seemed like it just was kind of emerging from the overall, like, growing uh, hype. But the idea of like who is working with who and these different allegiances this is actually why I started making that notion 
was because like it was very obvious that the web of connections were shifting in the background mm-hmm. and I need to like start keeping track of it um, and then you know this shows up and I go oh, okay cool yeah I'm wondering well, maybe if but I got started <laughs> I'm wondering if one of the things that they should have done in at this fan fest was to be like we're also gonna change the name of faction warfare <laughs> we're gonna call <laughs> yeah, this something so... different we're evolving it into something new because that's what it feels like is that this because um like one of the things that they said they talked about were like pirate factions joining faction warfare and what when i think of that kind of stuff i'm thinking well would they get their own war zone and then will they have their own oh uh, joining the like, allegiances right but that's but that's the whole thing is that really this is switching over to an allegiance system you know well, that... no the allegiance system has a subcomponent which is faction warfare Oh, okay. Right? Because you, like, you can be, you can have an allegiance to a faction and be forwarding their objective without ever having to do like the mechanics that we currently consider to be faction warfare. So you, you do it in hindsight. You. So what you're saying is that there's, there's like enlisting to be part of the militia, which will be different than just the allegiance system itself. No, what I'm saying is, well, more or less, it's like I want, I declare my allegiance to the Galente, and so as a Galente, I can gain Galente points. By doing any of a number of things mm-hmm. that are that change depending on what it is that they need done, but one, one or more of them will always ha- be a you know go go to this territory and fight for it sort kind of task right, which would be the faction warfare part. But you can do more than just war faction warfare to to forward the agenda of your organization. That's why I'm saying like you're right. The the whole thing bleeds over each other. So calling this all faction warfare probably wasn't a really good idea. Living Universe actually is better of an idea to think about, but also probably far more abstract. Uh, what I think that they should have done, honestly, is uh, like the lore has never mattered or not mattered so much for so long for so many people that like you really need to show them what's going on. Like ultimately. People think that there's no content, even though they said why there's no content multiple times, because they don't, they don't understand how the lore, this could ever possibly work out, right? Like, oh, this must be just a scripted event or you know, all that sort of stuff. So, and the idea, like, the, it's one thing to come on and be like, this, this arc has already started, and there's these puzzles. What they really should have done is they should have come out at like basically the climax of the arc. Right, set it up so that the yeah. arc climaxed right here. So that way you can be like, "Hey guys, this is what happened. These are the clues that we had in. This is what you figured out. This is what you didn't figure out. This is what we could have done. This is what we're doing from now on." So the next one's already started. Good luck. Like, yeah. had they done that, it would have been like, "Oh shit!" Uh. That, you know? That's it right there. That that that's a really that would have been a really good way of explaining like this is what you guys missed. This is, what this is what's got. been going on under your nose. <laughs> not just not just a not just a preview because the problem is that we've had bad guys break into fanfest presentations before. So none of this actually raises to the point of being new and different. But right. if they basically said this is what's been going on under your nose and this is where we're going with this and this is what this now means then you know give us a gimme yeah yeah no that would have been i think that that that's a good way of kind of putting it um and that would have been a beautiful way to get some of this information dumped to us but yeah i think 
I I really I do believe very strongly that this is this is a good turn for Eve. I'm I the direction that they're moving with what they talked about in FanFest really invigorates me, really gets me excited about what what's going on in, in the universe that they're creating, not just what's happening out in 0.0 because I love and I will always be reading all the stuff that happens out in 0.0 but to be honest no matter how much cool shit is like happening underground or in the lore of of the empires it doesn't draw me in the game has never really drawn me into the empires and what the hell is going on there and I would love to see that to be kind of more front and center and it I mean it's improved over the years um, already but I think this is like a big step forward yeah and the other side of the coin is that people have always asked like well how can i get involved right how can i make a difference how can i make my name be part of a story if i write something will it matter to anything or anything like that like how does my rp how does my personal rp become part of the story and this makes a much more cleaner answer for that right it's no longer just hey join electus matari or pi or arc or whatever um, you know, you can you can engage if the story has engagement points, then you can engage with it, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, as far as like renaming it though, I just thought about it. Like, what if the name of the entire system was just called Faction Allegiances, and the name of what we now think of as Faction Warfare, including the changes that she was discussing, is now just called Border Conflict? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, I think would be it, it's. I'm interested. Just like resource see, wars became mining blitz, you know. So I didn't. I didn't. When originally, like I had heard all this stuff, I didn't think about the allegiance system being even bigger than what's already going on with faction warfare, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, even, and and I think that that's that's going to be something that's really huge, and that's going. It, Hopefully, yeah. next fan fest, it won't be a faction warfare presentation. It'll be something else, but faction warfare will be part of that greater conversation. And I feel, I feel like that's one of the the off puts that they kind of had here was just. By yeah, saying, I feel. Like, I feel like they used faction warfare to, to kind of like bridge everybody in, like to bring you from the like to give you grounding. But now, like at a certain point, it's going to be like tethering to the past, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Because like, but. Um, shoot, I had something else I was going to say about that with uh, allegiances. Oh, uh, so one other thing to think about in this regard. CCP has been setting up three major conflicts, right? On the Glente and, Amar- or Glente and Kaldari side, we have the Antaki, the Ugali's, you know, Pregler constellation stuff, you know? Uh, that's cool. On the Amar side, we have Flosuswim, Aset, and the Yugiri constellation. Cool. So what happens when Tash Murkon invades Stain? Hmm. Because they're ready to. They've made a pretty explicit point to be ready to. In fact, they're moving even more soldiers. They've, they're, they're taking soldiers out of Edencom in order to move more towards their front line so they can invade Stain. Sorum is going after the war zone. Tashmurkan has an eye for Stain. That's why the Stain Gate was built. Oh yeah, no, that's a good point. That's some interesting stuff there. So, you thinking that they're 
there might actually be some like zero points or null tech NPC space versus um, and pirates basically versus the empires that'll have a little bit more events that are going to be taking place in that area. Yeah, what if and then the concept can kind of go with that and right. What if the concept of war zones were eliminated? You just have systems that have sovereignty that can be attacked by another sovereign entity. Right, whether it's NPC or PC. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, I mean, within the NPCs, right. particularly, but like player sovereignty. Probably keep the two separate for now. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the, the players well, by, are kind of winning. No. Well, no, I mean, like, when when this, when Sancha shows up to, like, start reinforcing all of, uh, you know, uh, fraternity structures, they'll be happy about that. Uh, yeah, we but, got to see um, a little bit of that. I mean, you know. Uh, but, yeah, like, if if Tash Murkon invades Stain, there's no reason why Stain wouldn't just become basically more faction warfare systems effective. It's just now the con like the front the front remember the rules are a front line is any system that's adjacent to an enemy uh, a, an opposing faction system. <laughs> yeah, you could get really broad with that. You could yeah, you could just you could apply those rules to everything. Everywhere. The whole world could just the whole universe. I'm not saying that they're going to or I don't want anybody to think pie and sky, no, but I'm just yeah. saying like this is and, but, and this but, goes along with like introducing pirates into faction warfare. Right, exactly. Think, it seems to me like they've set up the clear flashpoints for where they're going with this current thing, but they've already opened their door to their next to the experiment once they're ready to experiment with uh, with bringing in pirates, right? Because right. the first thing that would happen. So once that's you establish that's likely not coming out this year, like it, it, right, it, right, right. Like yeah, they yeah. mentioned it as like that. That was one of the ones that they were very clear that this is the teaser, but this Correct. this is where it could easily go for us if we we start with our four factions, you know, right. four empires. They each get an allegiance system to them, and then we might bring in a pirate faction or four pirate factions and say, hey, here we are. You can now declare allegiance to them. And they also have space that they're trying and objectives that they are trying to achieve. Um, which right. They so, so, already so, is so, kind of happening. Just, you know, you've got to build the system for it. Right. So if I could just, like, guess blindly over a year before this all this happens, or, you know, six months to a year before all this happens. So, yeah, the the... The Empire side of all of this comes out in Q4, right? We get mm -hmm. we get factions, you know, Eve Online factions, the name of the expansion, you know, whatever. <laughs> so cool, whole new ways of joining the empires. You can do all sorts of cool stuff, raising the ranks, gain cool stuff, get get cool stuff to put on your stuff, get inner bus points, build ships, let CCP sell them. It's a grand world for everybody. Once. The war zone system and the allegiance system and all that stuff kind of shakes out and it proves that the faction warfare stuff is working out pretty good. Then, uh, what you do is you make it so that um, now you can not only gain standings with the Triglavians, but you can actually join the Triglavian Collective as a faction mm -hmm. by swearing allegiance, but you cannot do this until you have 8.0 with the Triglavians. Right, yeah, they don't need to put the restriction at 0.5 yep. or whatever to... And and they add some new functions. If you have high... If you're a 
with the, with a triglavian that makes it so that you can use Pochman st stations as if they were po you know um, uh, player stations. So that way it kind of makes up for the whole thing and rewards you for going native. You know, maybe even eventually you could enter into the domain of beyond whatever. The as long as you have your allegiance, um, you know you've been you've been allowed, you've been glorified, you've been accepted. There's a difference. You you go on your journey, you go through your you proving. And now that you've got enough standings, you can now click, and now you are a Triglavian. Uh, you know, like you're loyal to the Triglavian Collective. You're accepted into the Triglavian. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then, of course, when they're ready to see how extensible their systems can be, then Sancha invades, or uh, Tashmarkon invades Sancha. Mm, yeah. I... Hmm. I'm going to need to poke my head outside because it's raining suddenly really hard and my son's outside. <laughs> no problem. Um, I think we'll actually start wrapping it on up here. Um, is there... Be here. I'm just trying to make sure there wasn't any other main thing that I wanted to point out here. Um, I know that they said that immediately they didn't think that there was going to be a lot of changes to the flexing system itself. Um, well, Plexing's really good. Yeah, and I, right? I kind of like it. Like where one it of the is. best systems in the game. Although she did say talk about the true novice flex, which I thought was a good one. Mm. That's one that's been really desired. Yes, a true a true novice. I agree with that one right there, a hundred percent. Like there should be a place where, you know, maybe it doesn't pay out the greatest, but there's a place for the the well, lowest of low faction. You know, no factions, no nothing. Well, actually, it's funny. She said pirate, no pirate frigates, which is a really important distinction. Because is... remember, faction, empire faction ships are what you get for faction warfare. So true. it makes sense yeah. for you to use empire faction ships in empire faction. So, so that makes it so that the comet is like the coolest thing that you can bring into the plex because there's no daredevils. Yes. Right? Which is um, a, little plus, bit, a little bit better, uh, or is a lot better. Like the, like the pirate ships smash novices right now. It's like right, no exactly. contest. The 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 scale from bottom to top is so is very very high. Whereas normal non pirate faction and uh, standard T one are much more in line with each other. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not as likely to run away from from. Uh, faction ships, uh, depending on what I'm fit with and stuff like that. Almost any time that I see a pirate ship and I'm in a T1, I'm like, that ah, this ain't gonna work. And if you notice in the, uh, in the events things, one of the things that they've been experimenting with a lot, or one of the things they've been doing a lot with, is tightly controlling what kinds of ships can go into different places. Um, mm -hmm. to, to create different kinds of scenarios. Um, and I, I think that's really good. I think it would be really nice. I heard this one was uh, to restrict like larges and and stuff like that. With uh, you can't use smaller ships to get into them. You have to only use oh, God. The, the bigger ships. I don't know. I like the idea that you can like undefended. You can you can plex them with uh, maybe the well the the other thing was uh, the idea of the battlefield sites, right? Oh they, yeah. She didn't. She didn't talk about that, but it was a bullet point on the slide. <laughs> uh, you know, so you can imagine what that could entail. Um, but also, remember the idea that th they were batting around about faction ships potentially having some sort of uh, buff or advantage within their faction borders? 
Yes, yeah, and that was creating more terrain and stuff like that, like the especially like the command um, systems. I believe they were talking about um, having that be, you know, where you can get bonuses and stuff like that. There's by moving your front lines right. and stuff that all creates different kind of. And I think that that's oh, sorry. What I what I really like about that idea though is like, you know, right now if we're a Galente Faction Warfare group, and we fly Galente ships, why are we doing that? Well, for RP reasons. Mm-hmm. In in the future, it's like, well, why are you doing that? Well, because we're fighting Galente territory, and therefore our Galente Faction ships have an advantage, and we know how to adva- take advantage of it, because, and therefore we you know, specialize in this, and it has an actual logical reason why we would want to do that. Yeah. No, that would be very nice. It's just like the Triglavians, right? Like the... The thing I love about the Triglavian Collective and joining the Triglavian Collective is the fact that in order to work with them, you have to go native, right? Like, how do you gain standings with the, with the Triglavians? Roaming around Pochvin and killing ever, all of the bad guys that come in. What are you instructed to do? Defend Pochvin from all Posh lost, you know, interlopers or whatever, right? So, like, you're doing exactly what they tell you to do and you get rewarded for it. That makes sense. But more importantly, like, in Triglavian systems, they cut your locks in half. So uh, you can spider tank, but they're basically designed to go in packs of three, right? So uh, Damovix can have five locks at a time. Uh, Vedmax can have six. So Vedmax cut in half is three. So a pack of three Vedmax can each target uh, the two others and then target their main target. So the cutting the locks in half that exists inside of Triglavian systems forces you to fight in groups and compositions and with techniques closer to the Triglavians, especially since they also come with a remote rep boost. So you want a remote rep, but you can't lock a bunch of targets. So you want to start stay in small squads that you can lock each other with, like, you know, squads of three. Yeah, no, that makes... I didn't even think about that. That's, that's brilliant. You fill them in out... You bring a filament with you, you filament home. If you get blown up, the person can loot the filament off your body. When we kill the Triglavians in invasions, we get T1 filaments off of them. Why? That's their ticket home. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, that's I, I love that. That's, that's something so, I did not think about before. Anything that can trick the player into making like real gameplay, real player decisions to play match like the the role play that you're supposed to be doing so to speak if you buy into it then uh you know the better so yeah if you're if you're allegiant to the faction to the glente faction you've got good stance to the faction the glente faction then you know be incentivized to use glente faction chips yeah and and feel rewarded when you do 100% no i that that's the dream <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, we've, and he, I have to say you're that we're closer not- to our dream than we've ever been before. Before FanFest, like, every time that I said that they were going to do something and update Faction Warfare, everybody was like, yeah, they've been saying that for how many years now? They've never actually done anything, and they'll never do anything. And if they do, it's going to suck. And everything yeah. that I've seen so far is like, they're going to do it, and it's going to be cool. Right, exactly. And I think that that's a big piece to this, which is that, like, a lot of the people don't see its potential or don't believe in it um, because, like, 
in a very real way, these are the dreams, right? CSP Aurora did go on stage and say all of the correct words, right? Like this is, uh, in a very real way, a lot of it was like if if the players themselves had written these these discussions. Um, however, like it, such a monumental shot requires some imagination and vision, or if you lack that, at least trust. And right now, the player base doesn't have either. Yeah. And that makes sense. It's okay. You know what? It's okay. If they don't want to believe in it, that's fine. If they don't want to pay for it, it's fine. Like, don't. Please don't. If you don't like the game, don't pay for it. Nobody's asking you to. Yeah, in I, fact, I, please, I love your go. tweet that was, uh, well, if you, I'm going to compile <laughs> all of the statistics and information. Give me all of your ISK, and uh, we will get that forwarded over to CCP for analysis uh, right away right away you know like and that's Chip chop. yeah a lot of this yeah. oh we're just going to quit the game now we don't you know they didn't give us what i wanted specifically it's a little childish on the like i mean why are you playing this game like what i, I mean especially for people like me i've been playing for 15 years and like there's there's a lot of reasons why i play this game and ccb has not ever actually taken away any of, of my reasons for wanting to play this game um, and it's yeah. usually much more about the epic scope of what the hell is going on that it's that it's spaceships and the way that i've, I've liked the the gameplay uh, the pvp makes my fucking heart race like it's there's there's a really special uniqueness that there is to to eve that i think um a lot of people that are just like well i'm just gonna quit now because they didn't release a big enough content update are really don't get evil at all yeah so um there's a there's a great quote by yoshi p the uh the main vision behind final fantasy 14 you know as everybody was waiting for endwalker the latest expansion to come out which did fabulously well everybody's really excited about it you know there's this big spike of new players that came into uh final fantasy from like asmund gold and all that stuff in fact uh they gained more popularity uh, before an expansion than after, uh, like than, than ever in their world, like before. It was absolutely absurd. But that meant that all of the content that they were working on or that people had was like a year and a half old or more with the promise of no new con or like the new content is coming in a few months, you know? And so it was asked of him, what do you want people to do who are waiting? Like, what do you say to the people who are waiting that don't have anything else to do? That like they they've done the content, uh, do you, you know? Like you're not giving them something to grind or whatever, you know? And he goes, "I want them to go play other games, right? Like if if you're done with what we've provided and you liked it, then that's great, you know. If if you're out of content, go. There's other games out there. They're fun too." And hopefully soon we'll come out with more content and you will like it and you'll come back and you'll play it as well. Like, it doesn't have to be that big of a deal, guys. Like, if you're upset, you don't want to play it, don't pay it. If you, Even if you're not upset, you just don't want to pay it, don't play it. Don't, don't pay it. You could be alpha. You could be, you could just check out for a little while. It'll still be here. And you know what? Someday they may come out with something that might impress you and you'll, you'll come back. Yeah. All right. Great. Yeah, I've had a lot See of that in my life with Eve, where it's like, oh, I'm just going to take three months off, because 
I'm not really doing anything, and I got no reason to play right now, and uh, I've got other real-life things going on, so I'm going to go off and do that, and then, of course, something will happen to me, and will be like, oh, I should play that game again. I remember all the good times. But I will say this, EVE is hard. EVE oh. is supposed to be a challenging game, and the universe doesn't, it isn't supposed to care about you. And uh, if you came in after 2016, you came in when things were in absolute glut. It's not usually like that. So adjust your uh, perceptions maybe when it comes to assessing your fun or work or whatever it is that you want to put into it. Because it is a game that does demand a real investment, but has real reward behind Absolutely. Um, so I think we'll go ahead and wrap that on up here. We uh, um, got a, some really good talk in there about what's going to be going on, our visions, our ideas, our interpretations of everything. And But we, we are still a, you know, six months-ish away from seeing all of this actually inside of, of the game. Um, and well, remember, we the arc that we're on right now may or like it'll dovetail into the Empire arc, but this arc that we're in could very well resolve sooner than later. So we could right. see like action pirate faction line or other major changes. I mean, they have been making some pretty good patches and stuff recently. Um, and, you know, we, we are going to get content and sites and stuff. The summer... So here's the thing about the summer. Most of the time, the summer, for, when it comes to events, only have the Empire's days, right? You know, Federation Day, Liberation Day, Foundation Day, etc. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of room for plenty of stuff to happen. Yeah, no, that's... And well, that, and that's the thing with ARCs, is that it, if, at the very least, it's, it'll be a build-up. So this is how we're going to learn about all of this. Like, they gave us kind of like the the expansion notes, you know, at, at FanFest. It was like, here, this is what's going to be in the expansion, but how it actually actualizes into that, um, I think the ARC will be will be giving a lot of that. So um, stay tuned. And yeah, it's, it's not like these game things are only going to be happening when they release the expansion it's gonna the whole point of this is that it's all about build up and then having a climax um so before we wrap on up though is there any uh give you just a, a time here to give out any shout outs or any projects that you're working on anything that you guys that you want people to go check out um just a little spot for you sure um i am a twitch streamer obviously i talk about EVE Online and occasionally play it every, uh, most weekdays from like I think it's 2000 to like 2200 somewhere in there I don't know I have it on my thing um, and then I also have my YouTube which is uh, youtube.com slash C slash Ashtarothy the Twitch is twitch.tv slash Ashtarothy um, and all my important stuff goes over there I try to snip things up you get long videos you get short videos you get highlights you get funny stuff you get serious stuff you get educational stuff. I've got a six-hour total video where I go over every single type of module in the game uh, and discuss like every like all those fitting considerations that you might have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, I'm I'm here to try to raise the overall literacy of Eve Online in, my, in the player base. So uh, check out my stuff, share it with your friends, uh, and you know all that kind of stuff. And I hope to see you in space. Awesome. Well, thank you for showing up, man. It's been great to talk to you about all this. This is this has been the time that I've been waiting for. 
Um, and I'm sure that we'll have you back on to talk a lot more about the lore of what's going on. I need to get much more of a lore master myself now that uh, things are <laughs> starting to heat up and that there will be a bunch of matter lore that matters to faction warfare coming up. Um, We're all cat camp. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you all for watching. Um, if you're interested in joining the war effort, you can always put in an application to Aderon Robotics, or you can also join up with the Golden Age Stories in-game. Um, if you want to watch us live on Twitch, it's every Sunday, 2200 Eve time, at 5 p.m. Central time. Um, and if you missed the show live, though, you can always catch us. We've got a podcast. That's the Federation Frontline Report. You can get that on Spotify, iTunes, all over the place. We also have our YouTube channel, Golden Age Stories. Go ahead and check that out in order to um, see. We've got all the um, interviews and videos up on there as well, as well as just kind of cool things that we put out. Um, if you do have news that you want us to talk about on the show, an after-action report, anything else, stories that you want us to tell, um, go ahead and send an email to Frozen Fallout in-game, or you can always email us at federationfrontlinereport at gmail.com. And thank you. Have a great night. Ash out.